Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The uh, Bible reading is from Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 to 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rule of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also, you, you also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from ourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Well, in life, we, we're all looking for, for meaning, uh, a deeper sense of significance and purpose, a, a deeper sense of acceptance and belonging, a, a deeper sense of security and being loved. And, and more so, probably in our culture than ever, we, we so... We seem to be so disconnected and we're in such desperate need for acceptance and significance and yet we don't seem to know where to find it. And so we try to find it in, in our school results, in, in our careers, in our achievements, but that just leads us in to be super busy and stressed out trying to earn other people's acceptance, trying to find the significance. Or we try to find it in consumerism, buying stuff, having the latest gadgets, having a, a label brand clothing, so that we can find happiness and, and, and significance. But it never satisfies, so we have to buy more and more and more. We just end up in debt. Or we try to find it in, in money, or in partying and drinking, or in having multiple relations, or or in being popular, being famous. And we look so confident. We look so sorted. We, we look so happy on the outside. But inwardly we're crying out for acceptance and significance. We, we're crying out for meaning. Where can we find meaning in life? Well, ultimately, we can only find true meaning in life through our relationship with God. And this is clearly seen in Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through to 10. We read in verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Now, sin, in its essence, is about being in a dysfunctional relationship with God, in a broken relationship with God. And that leads to death. Firstly, it leads to a relational death. 
Because we're in this dysfunctional relationship with God, because we've turned our backs on God, that relationship is dead. And this leads to a lack of acceptance. You see, we were created to be in a relationship with God, so if that relationship is dead, we have this profound sense of a lack of acceptance. Secondly, it leads to a vocational death. A vocational death. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for our life. God has a plan for our life to be the image of God, to reflect His love and compassion and justice in our own unique way. But because we've turned our backs on God, because we're in this broken relationship with God, we don't reflect the image of God the way we should. And as a result, we have this sense of of lacking significance in life. And thirdly, it leads to a physical death. Again, because we've turned our backs on God, the very source of life, because we've got this broken relationship with God, it ultimately leads to a physical death and then an eternal death. And so we have this very profound sense of a lack of security in life. And verse 3 says, all of us lived among them at one time. All of us belong to this realm of death. Because we've all, at some point in our life, we've all turned our backs on God, thought we'd do it our way rather than God's way. We've all turned our backs on God, and as a result, we experience this, this lack of acceptance and significance and security in our life. However, we read in verse 4, but, this is one of the biggest buts in the Bible, but... Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Because of His great love, because of God's great love for us, God has made us alive in Christ, alive in Jesus. In other words, in Jesus, we are restored to a right relationship with God. And so we find acceptance. In Jesus, we rediscover our vocation, and so we find significance. In Jesus, we gain everlasting life, and so we find true security. And all of this, all of this being made alive in Jesus, all of this salvation is firstly motivated by the love of God. We read in verse 4, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Because of His great love, it's motivated by the love of God. Secondly, it's all by the grace of God. We read in verse 8, For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, it's a free gift. There's absolutely nothing you need to do or pay to receive it. It's free. It's a gift. And thirdly, it's received through faith. We read again in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now faith isn't merely giving a whole lot of intellectual agreement to to a set of Christian teachings. Faith is about putting your trust in Jesus. Faith is about following Jesus. And so this always leads to actions. But these actions don't earn our salvation. 
They merely appropriate what Jesus has already earned for us on the cross. And so, while we are not saved by good works, we are saved for good works. And we read in verse 10, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God has a plan and a purpose for our life to be His image bearer, to to be in that relationship with Him so that we can reflect His image, that we can reflect His love, His compassion and His justice in our own unique way to the rest of the world. Before I was born, um, my, my parents used to go to church. Uh, and when I was born, when I was a young kid, my parents had a bit of a fallout with the church and they stopped going. But they still sent my sister and I to, to church every Sunday. We would go to, to the very traditional type of Sunday school. And uh, we didn't mind because all our friends were there and we had a good time. And the only thing that I really learned from that experience was, uh, if I believed that Jesus was the Son of God, I would go to heaven. That, that was basically what I took away from it. So, so I wasn't a follower of Jesus. I, I didn't have a real relationship with God. I, my life hadn't been changed in any way or any form. But if you ask me, are you a Christian? I would say, yes, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, so I'm going to heaven. When I was about nine... My 9, 10, I thought going surfing would be far more fun on a Sunday morning than going to church. And, I mean, after all, I could believe that Jesus is the Son of God just as much on the beach as I could in the church. So, uh, so that was the end of going to church. And uh, my career on the beach started. As the years went by, and I was about probably about 13, 14 as I think with a lot of teenagers, suddenly had this real desire to feel accepted, to, to, to be popular, uh, to have the sense of being liked, or a sense of, uh, of just fulfillment in life. And I can remember thinking at that stage, there were kind of two ways I could do this. One, I thought if I did well at sport, then people would obviously accept me, they would like me, I'd be popular, and I, have this, I would have this feeling of being fulfilled in life. And the other one was to... Um, I started looking up to the older guys at school, the guys who I perceived to be popular. And I thought, well, if I could only be like them, if I could only be like them, then I too would be popular, I would be liked, I would be accepted, I'd have this feeling of fulfillment in life. So I tried to be like them, try to be cool. But when you try to be someone you're not, it just makes you more dissatisfied. So this really only left sport. Number of sports I was into as a youngster was uh, water polo, surfing, and then wayski surfing. Uh, and I realize most of you wouldn't know what wayski surfing is. That's why we showed I showed you the video clip. Uh, the best way I always describe it is just like surfing, it's just like stand up surfing, except in rather than standing up on a surfboard, you're sitting down on a board that looks like a kayak, and you're still surfing the waves. The competitions work exactly the same as a surfing competition. In fact, we we normally use surfing judges. Anyhow, when I was about 14, 13, 14, I can remember thinking to myself, well, if I was to make our school's under-15A uh, under water polo team, 
then surely I would have this feeling of being accepted and popular and liked and, and this feeling of fulfillment in life. And I can remember making the under-15A water polo team, but nothing changed. So I thought, well, if I make the school's first team, uh, and I remember making the school's first team, and again, nothing changed. So eventually I thought, well, if I was to make the provincial team, the, the county team, I'll make the school's county water polo team, surely then I would feel fulfilled and satisfied and, and popular and accepted. And again, I made that team. And nothing really changed. So finally I thought, well, if I was to win the South African under-19 ski surfing competition, surely then I would feel so popular and accepted and liked, and I would feel that, that sense of fulfillment in life. And so I can remember going to that particular ski surfing competition, taking part in that competition. It was a knockout competition. We had four people in a heat. Two would go through, two would get knocked out. And remember, I got through the first round, and then I got through the second round, then I got through the third round. Eventually, I was in the quarterfinals, and then the semifinals, and then I made the finals in the top four in the whole country. And I can remember we, we paddled out and competed in that final. Afterwards, we came back onto the beach, and there was this massive crowd all gathering around to find out the results. And I remember them calling out my name as the South African under-19 ski surfing champion. And everyone was cheering. I walked up onto the podium. They gave me this massive trophy. I held up the trophy. Everyone was cheering. People were coming up to me and congratulating me. People I didn't even know were coming up to me and congratulating me. And I suddenly thought to myself, yes, yes. This is what I've been waiting for. This is what I've been looking for. I felt so accepted, so popular, so loved. And I had this sense of fulfillment in life. And I went, yes, finally I found what I'm looking for. Till the next day, when I came to the realization that nothing had changed. And it was some time after that, that my girlfriend at the time and I decided we would try church. She had been, uh, on her holiday, she had been to a Christian camp. One night we were just chatting about life and, and she suggested, well, should we try church? And I said, okay, let's, let's try church. Now, neither of us knew anything about church. So what we decided to do was to go to the biggest church in our city, the biggest church. In that way, we could walk in, sit at the back. No one would even know we were there. You see, I had an image to uphold, and I didn't want the word getting out that I had been to church. So there I was, sitting in the back row of this big church with my girlfriend, and uh, I can't remember what the preacher said that night, but at the end of his talk, he gave an opportunity for people to accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior by simply raising their hand. And I felt something inside of me say, yes. Yes, this is the right thing to do. It was as if the Spirit of God was witnessing with my spirit that this was the right thing to do. And, and it was pretty safe. I could put my hand up. Everyone else's heads were bowed in prayer. And no one would even know. So I put my hand up. In fact, there were three of us who put our hands up that day. The preacher then said, with the three people who put their hands up, would you please stand up? Two people stood up. I was not one of them. The preacher then said, Would the third guy please stand up? 
Without even thinking, I took both my hands and grabbed my chair to hold myself down just in case my legs decided to stand up. The preacher then said, with the, with the young guy in the back row with a striped shirt, would you please stand up? At this, no one had their eyes shut and heads bowed. They were all eyes open, heads up, looking around, looking behind them. Who is this young guy who won't stand up? My girlfriend then says to me, it's okay, I'll stand up with you. And she stood up. I was left with no option but to stand. Afterwards, the preacher prayed for us, but afterwards, another guy came and he explained the good news of the gospel to me. And it was there that I was confronted with this amazing love of God, that God loved me so much that he died for me. You know what the most amazing thing was? There was absolutely nothing I needed to do nor could do to earn this love. You know how mind-blowing that was for me. My whole life I'd been trying to do things to earn people's acceptance. Trying to do well at sports so people would accept me, that I'd be popular, that I'd have this feeling of fulfillment. But what I discovered through Jesus' unconditional love, that it, Jesus loved me unconditionally, that there was absolutely nothing I could do to make God love me more. And there was absolutely nothing I could do to make God love me less. And when I was confronted with this amazing love of God, it demanded a response. And I decided there and then to surrender my life to Jesus, to follow Jesus and to love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. The other thing the guy said to me that night was, it wasn't a coincidence that I was there, that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. I can't tell you how excited I was by the reality that God had a plan and a purpose for my life. I mean, when I left church that night, I was on cloud nine. I was so happy, so excited. God had a plan and a purpose for my life. The only problem was, I had no idea what that plan or purpose was. I can remember after that going to church and looking at all the people up at the front who were leading the worship and thinking, that's so unfair. So obvious what their plan and purpose is, but I can't sing and I, I definitely can't play a musical instrument. Well, sometime after that, I went to a youth rally and, and this hall was packed with young people, just absolutely packed. And then the guest speaker walked up onto the stage. As he walked up, he was carrying his surfboard. And he walked up and, and he held up his surfboard and he said, I'm going to surf for Jesus. I went, brainwave. That's my plan and purpose. I'm going to wave, ski, surf for Jesus. I was back on cloud nine. I had discovered God's plan and purpose for my life. Problem number two. How do you wave, ski, surf for Jesus? I mean, I had no idea. I was absolutely clueless. So the first thing I did was to take one of those fish stickers you know the fish stickers people put on the back of the car? I took one of those stickers and, and put it on the nose of my Wayski surfboard. As if that was Wayski surfing for Jesus. I, I mean, I had no idea. I was clueless. So, I don't know, maybe I could walk along the beach and say, hey, check my fish. I don't know, but you know, I was clueless by this. But what it did do was every time I put my board in the water to go out surfing, it reminded me that I'm a follower of Jesus. 
and I need to be different. You don't have to be a surfer to know that the surfing culture is not the most godly of cultures. I can remember once when I went to go surf at uh, Jeffreys Bay. Jeffreys Bay, J Bay, is the surf capital of South Africa, world famous wave. Uh, people from all over the country come down to this one place to surf. In fact, people from all over the world come to, to surf at Jeffreys Bay. And uh, as a result, it often gets extremely crowded. And then as a result of that, it gets quite hostile. I remember one occasion I was paddling out. And as I was paddling out, I saw a guy catch a wave and he was riding along the wave. And all of a sudden, someone else caught his wave, dropped in on his wave. Now, in surfing, there's a rule that you only have one person on a wave at a time. Whoever's up first or closest to the white water has the right of way. And this guy didn't just drop in on the other guy's wave, but he kind of like surfed near the top, causing the wave to break on the other guy and wipe the other guy out, and then he carried on surfing. When this guy who had been wiped out emerged from underwater, he was swearing and cursing at the other guy. That guy was swearing and cursing back. I'm still just paddling out. And um, very next wave, straight after that, another guy catches a wave, he's riding along, someone else drops in on him. But this time, the guy who caught the wave first manages to surf really fast, catches up, and dive tackles the other guy. I, I kid you not, right in front of me, he rugby tackled the guy. They started swearing and cursing each other, threatening all kinds of bodily harm. Yeah, I'm still paddling out. I haven't got out to the back line yet. And I'm thinking, wow, I need to be different. I'm a follower of Jesus. I need to be different. After a long time of waiting, I caught a wave. I was riding along and someone dropped in on my wave. I thought, well, I need to be different. So I kicked out of the wave. Later on, when he paddled back out, I paddled up to him. And as I paddled up to him, I could see him tensing up and getting ready for the fight, for the argument. I came up to him and I said, hey, I'm sorry, what was that your wave? And he said, uh, uh, no, um, sorry. And uh, I said, hey, you know, I'm Mike, I'm from down the coast. And we just started chatting. And... Uh, like I said earlier, in, in, in surfing, you only have one person on a wave at a time, and so you tend to have a long queue at the back line of everyone trying to get into what I call pole position. If you're in pole position, the next wave is yours. And so after a long time of queue, and eventually I was in pole position, the next wave was mine. And as I saw this really nice wave coming along, I saw another surfer trying to paddle around me, around my inside, kind of to steal pole position, now, in surfing terminology, that's called snaking. And uh, it's definitely something you shouldn't be doing. But I thought, again, I need to be different. I'm a follower of Jesus. I need to be different. And so I said, hey, you know, if you want this wave, you can have it. This guy was so shocked, he almost fell off his surfboard. He just managed to correct himself in time to catch the wave. And then he paddled out and he said, yeah, you know, thanks for that wave. And I said, you know, I'm Mike. I'm from down the coast. And we started chatting. And slowly... The environment, this hostile environment started to change. And I thought to myself, wow, that's what it means to wave ski surf for Jesus. To bring God's peace in a hostile environment. When I went on honeymoon, for a more recent story, when I went on honeymoon, we, uh, we went to the Maldives. Uh, and we just happened, by chance, to be one of the, the islands that has epic surf. And I just happened, by chance, to have my surfboard with me. <laughs> so every morning, really early, while Victoria was still asleep, I would go out for a quick surf. And it was great, because there were only a few of us in the water. One day I went out for a surf, and there was this mean-looking, big Brazilian. Bald head, big tattoos. 
He looked like the local enforcer at his break. And he paddles up to me and he says, Hey, you, get lost. You can't surf here. Well, he used far more colorful language, but that was the, the, the essence of, of what he said. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'm just going to go and paddle, paddle onto the inside. I'll catch some waves on the inside. It was too good to leave, but I'll go into the inside. This wasn't because I was trying to you know, uh, show the love of Jesus or anything. This was because he was bigger than me. And so I, I went onto the inside. sitting there. And um, anyway, I saw this guy catch a wave. It was a really good wave, and he, he caught it. Uh, but he, I could see he was, he was okay. He wasn't a good surfer. He was an okay surf. He was, but he wasn't. And often people with attitudes aren't, aren't actually that good. Uh, but and, and he was riding along, doing okay. But it was a great wave. The wave was barreling. Do you know how surfers like to get in the barrel? Like to get in the wave breaks over. This wave was really barreling. But he wasn't in the barrel. He was quite quite away in front of the barrel. Uh, but when he pulled off, he went, "Whoa! Check my barrel!" And he was like going crazy. I thought that was sad. And uh, as he started paddling back out, it was as if the Spirit of God said to me, he needs love. Now, the reason why I say it, it's, it's probably the Spirit of God is because that's not how I think. Okay, I'm not going to think someone needs love uh, in that situation. But it was just like the Spirit of God was saying to me, this guy needs love. And so as he was paddling back out, I went up to, uh, as he was paddling past me, I said, Wow, what an amazing wave. That was incredible. You, wow, that was so good. Awesome barrel. And this guy was like, hey, you, come here. Come surf with me. And suddenly we became, for the rest of the week, we were like friends. Wherever I went, he, wanted, he would chat to me. would see him in breakfast and all sorts. Again, I just thought, this is what it means to Oeski surf for Jesus. Bringing God's peace. Bringing God's love into a hostile world. For the rest of my life, to, to the best of my ability and by the grace of God, I've always tried to be like Jesus and follow Jesus wherever I am and whatever I'm doing. And on my journey of faith, I've never forgotten that God loves me unconditionally, that he wants a relationship with me, and that he has a plan and a purpose for my life. And it's the same for you. If you were the only person in the whole world, Jesus would have come and died for you because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we cannot adequately put into words how wonderful it is to know, to to, to really know that your love for us doesn't depend on how good we are how successful we are, how spiritual we are, how sorted we are. Rather, it only depends on how good you are. Thank you that you love us because you love us, because you love us. And Father, we thank you that there's nothing that we could ever do in the future to make you love us more than you already love us now. And there's nothing we could ever do or fail to do in the future to cause you to love us any less than you do now. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you that you want a relationship with us. You desire to have a relationship with us. And that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. Father, we thank you that for each of us, there is something we can do for you. I can wave-ski surf for you. But all of us have things we can do for you. And Father, we want you to be that center of everything we do. That everything we do, we would do it for you. 
to spend a few moments maybe just reflecting on the fact that God loves you, loves you unconditionally, loves you so much, He wants a relationship and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And maybe think about what is that wave surfing, what is that for you? That you can say, that's what I'm going to do for Jesus. It might be something at school, it might be something at work, it might be a hobby, an enjoyment, it might just, whatever it is. Just spend some time and commit that to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.